the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Good afternoon, a breezy afternoon. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering Bible questions. But today, it's a special edition. It's the date day edition, because Paula is live in the studio with me. So ladies, you are our preferred customers today. If you have any (laughs) questions or need any encouragement on anything, that's what Paula does best. All you have to do is call area code 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. You can call toll-free if you're outside the local area by dialing 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app, Uh, to send questions in that way if you're driving in your car. Uh, We were out on the streets, and they're really, really busy today, so please be careful. Use the free KSLR mobile app. Just push call now. You'll be connected directly to the studio producer. Paula, we haven't even talked about what you're going to talk about today, so you you can start talking now and talk for an hour. (laughs) Well, because we were kind of busy, and uh, so I went home and I talked to my first husband, because my second husband, I had to drop off at the, at the office, and I had to run to the H-E-B. So my first husband and I, we went to the H-E-B, and then we went home, put the groceries away, and then we, we sat and talked for a minute. And I was just thinking, because we were, you know, we, I had read this article about the stresses of the Christmas holiday and stuff like that. And then I started thinking, you know what, he gives us gifts, and then thinking about how he spent uh, what he tells us about spending. And so I'm going to go to Isaiah. And we'll be in Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, for those of you who want to know, um, after the first of the year. So starting in January, Pastor Ron's going to be teaching us the book of Isaiah. Well, in Isaiah 52, verse 3, it says this. For this is what the Lord says, you were sold for nothing and without money you will be redeemed. And so, you know, I'm thinking, okay, what do we get without having to spend money? Well, in Isaiah 55, let me go over there real quick. 53, 54, come on. Go. I'm on my iPad, whatever you call this thing. And so 55.1, it says to us, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. So I'm thinking that the Lord is saying, don't be running here and there and spending all your money um, just to impress other people with maybe the amount of gifts that you give. 
um, and maybe even the amount of gifts that you get, um, you know, material stuff. Listen, listen to me, eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. So go on, Mr. Pastor Ron, and give some explanation to that. I, I, I can't. You explained it well. You know, I, I think one of the, the, the problems, and we, we know, obviously, that people go through uh, really difficult times during the holidays. Mm -hmm. uh, if they've lost somebody, um, uh, Christmas is never going to be the same as it once was. No. Uh, we focus on, uh, others of us focus on all the gifts we want to buy sometimes um, because we, we, we we're motivated by pride. You know, we want to get the, the best gifts. Mm -hmm. um, we, we are around family members and that's often stressful, especially mm -hmm. for Christians. Mm -hmm. but, but I think the whole idea here is that we ought to revel and the, the, the gifts that we've already been given, uh, rather than focus on the things that we don't um, have yet or the things that, that aren't going to satisfy. And, and I think what, what you just read in, in Isaiah 65 is, is akin to what Jesus said. 55, it was 55? Um, <laughs> excuse me. was akin to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 when he said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm -hmm. I think, Paula, we forget in, um, in, in busy times, stressful times, I think we forget that Jesus is our only source of rest. So we try to do things, mm -hmm. and then we sort of spin out of control when what we're doing isn't um, giving us any rest or giving us any peace. Just yesterday, um, uh, we had a caller, Jimmy called on the radio, and he said uh, uh, his neighbor gave him the God helps those who help yeah, themselves. Yeah, I heard it. You know, now every Christian knows that's not true, and yet so often we live our lives like, I can do something to make it better. I can mm -hmm. do something to feel better. I can do something when it gets all done. And typically, uh, all we have when it's all done, when we... Uh, the day after Christmas or the week after Christmas is a whole bunch of bills on their way in yeah. uh, for, for the money that we spent, in many cases money that we really can't afford. And somehow Jesus has been uh, left out of his birthday celebration. Uh, today at breakfast, uh, oh, there's yes. a, a table of ladies mm -hmm. uh, sitting in front of us. And um, we heard them singing happy birthday. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we got in, now there's a whole restaurant full of people. Uh -huh. And they're singing happy birthday. They're doing it respectfully and sure. not, not yelling it or anything. Mm -hmm. And they got a happy birthday cake there. But when it gets to happy birthday to you, to, and they were singing to Jesus. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. Jesus. And, um, you know, I, I think, well, you don't have to sing happy birthday to Jesus in a restaurant. I think there are things that we all need to do to ensure that Jesus doesn't get left out mm -hmm. of his birthday celebration. Mm -hmm. We can make bad choices regarding sin. We can do things that, that we shouldn't do, and we've just left Jesus out, and then the pressure and the stresses are going to pile up even more. Yeah, and you talked about sin, because in Romans 6.23... Because of our sin and what Jesus has done, you talk about a gift. Here's a gift. 623 of Romans says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he has given that to us freely. It already said earlier in Isaiah 52, um, you were bought with no money. But it cost Jesus everything. It cost God the Father everything to send his son who gives us the free gift of eternal life mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, there was uh, some references in the first passage you read from Isaiah about, about uh, um, eat for free. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a, a human tendency, it's our psychology, Paula, where uh, if we don't pay for something, we sort of devalue it. We have a tendency to, mm -hmm. to devalue it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and we forget about grace. Grace will forgive us. Grace will save us. Grace will do all these wonderful things. Um, but, but we as Christians, we've got to stop thinking that grace was free. Uh, I often say that God emptied the, the vault of heaven mm -hmm. to buy us. Mm -hmm. And um, while, while it didn't cost me anything to get saved, it cost heaven everything. Mm -hmm. And um, if we devalue that gift because it didn't cost us anything, mm -hmm. then I think we're missing the whole point. Christmas is one of those times where it ought to be easier to share because everybody's thinking about Christmas. 
uh, it, it ought to be easier to keep our eyes focused on Jesus because there are signs of him everywhere we go. Um, um, I think that in, in many cases, Christmas is a time uh, where we ought to be filled with the most joy. And it has nothing to do with gifts or parties or, or dressing up or Christmas services or anything else. It's just that we marvel over the truth that God became a baby. Now, we celebrate December 25th. Almost certainly Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. But God became a baby he traveled through the birth canal of a teenage girl. He opened his eyes in a feeding trough. His first real audience was the outcasts of society, the, the, the gypsy shepherds. And um, he did that for us. Um, there's, there's New Testament verses, he grew in wisdom and stature. We understand the growing in stature, babies grow up. But how can God grow in wisdom? Yeah. And uh, he did all of that for us. He lived as a human being. He did everything as a human being. Yes, yeah, so he learned obedience through that yeah. which he suffered. Think about that for a moment. Yeah. And, and he did it all to demonstrate just how expensive this Christmas gift really is. I'm not going to do it this year, I don't think, Paula, but, but I have in the past done a, a Christmas message. My Christmas message will be a week, will be a week from Sunday uh, here at the church. But I've, I've, uh, uh, I've done a Christmas message in the past about how um, it's Jesus' birthday, but we get all the gifts. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and we talked about the gifts that we received. Yeah. Um, those are things that we ought to be thinking about this time of year. Yeah. Um, Christmas is Jesus' birthday. We need to celebrate it with him in form. That's right. In Ephesians 2.8, it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. But... Our faith, our faith, the grace that has, that has saved us is a gift of God. He did it all. He was the initiator. He, he walks beside every person and, you know, the Holy, the Holy Spirit walks yeah. beside everybody. I saying, like to think of psst, psst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a good plan for yeah. you. You know, you're walking down the wrong road, man. You're hanging with the wrong crowd, lady. Um, I got a better plan for you. And it's not going to cost you anything. In fact, it's, it's so good. It's so good that you'll be free of guilt and shame if you will just receive this gift mm -hmm. that I want to give you. You know, what I, I especially like about the Ephesians 2.8 passage is that grace, God's unmerited favor, saves us. We don't have to do anything. But the faith that's sort of the ignition key for believing mm -hmm. is a gift from God. It's not even from ourselves. The faith, we don't even have to do that. <laughs> he gives us enough faith. All we have to do is turn a little bit toward him. And that gift of faith is given to us. And we can be saved. No one has to be left out. And you know, Ron, being, knowing that uh, we are God's handiwork, you know, people will say, well, I used to say this, what's the meaning of life? You know, but now that I'm saved, and, and um, in fact, maybe we'll look at the call um, from last night, studying Second Kings for a little bit, but now I know what I'm supposed to do. My life has meaning and purpose. Every single day when I wake up, if, when I wake up, I know that God has something for me to do. Mm. Whether, whether um, it's just praying for somebody under my breath, praying for somebody for sure, giving a smile to somebody who looks down or alone or, you know, whatever, or, um, hey, can I, let me, let me buy your lunch total stranger or you know somebody in the car behind me at at a drive through you know talking to the cashier i want to get their food you know or the person in front whatever um just as a surprise and just lord you bless them you put that on my heart you bless them i loved how you were talking about um 
you know, not the um, the goosebumps, not goosebumps. It's the the thrill of leading somebody to the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a meaningful and purposeful life. It's not about um, who can buy the biggest gift and you know who can put up the most decorations and all that kind of stuff. I I, I have a purpose and meaning mm-hmm. given by God to my life. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you have any questions or comments about what we're talking about, or just any other questions for Paula, three four zero ninety five eighty five. Paula, I'm going to steal from our friend Gail Irwin. <laughs> uh, in his book, The Jesus Style, he said that that um, Jesus was the most others-centered mm-hmm. person mm-hmm. who's ever walked the face of the earth. And if we're going to follow in his style, then we have to be others-centered. And I think a lot of the stress and pressure that comes this time of year typically is because our focus is on us, how we feel, what we need, what we don't have, instead of, instead of focusing on the things that we've been given by God. Um, what do others think about me? Uh, what, how have others made me feel badly? And, and if, if we're going to shake that, that holiday lethargy, then the only way we're going to do that is to take Paul's advice and keep our, our hearts and minds set on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of glory. Uh, the heart, as I say often, is the place of affection. We've got to love others ahead of ourselves. We've got to do for others ahead of ourselves. We've got to consider others better than ourselves. doesn't mean they are, but our focus has to be that they are. And, and I'm full of God, uh, full of His Spirit. I've been given everything I need. You said a moment ago your life is rich, it's meaning, and has purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, um, let me go out and minister to somebody who doesn't have that focus. Yeah. Who doesn't have a rich or passionate life. Yeah. And, and that's considering others before ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we'll do that and our focus gets on us, obedience comes in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit or results in the power of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly our focus isn't on us and we, we kind of escape that lethargy and we escape that discouragement. One of the things that, that I wanted to be sure to mention today, Paula, is that we know people who plan on being depressed this time of year. And I challenge him every time. I've heard you do the same thing. Well, you know you don't have to do that. How about we plan on not being depressed Mm -hmm. this time of year? Mm -hmm. How about we focus instead of on what you don't have and what you do have, what God has done for you? That's next on my list. Okay. Okay. uh, I didn't didn't know that. That's all right. But, But the idea here is that we who are rich need to live like we're rich. Not money. Yeah. I've got a dime. Mm -hmm. But I'm rich. Yeah. And if I focus on that, then um, there's nothing, whether it's a holiday or, or a Tuesday, mm-hmm. a regular day, mm-hmm. um, that, that forces me to be discouraged or depressed or to walk around like my shoes hurt, you know, my feet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, can, I can have a smile on my face and I can look for those divine appointments uh, each and every, every day. Yeah. Um, in fact, being other-centered, you know, and this is a tough mm-hmm. time, like you say, um, but for widows and widowers, um, I, I kind of, you know, want them to get up and, and, and get moving again because I, I can't even begin to imagine. I can't, be, I can't begin to imagine what my life would be like with you not in it, um, especially maybe that first Christmas or, you know. It would be more fun. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I can take any more. But anyway... Um, for the widows and widowers not to be alone don't isolate um do what you did kind of in a way um if you uh don't have other family around i try to encourage the people here at our church hey look adopt some of these families adopt a family what did you used to do at this time of year do that you know you make the meal um you you make cookies you sold for other people. You you want to buy gifts for others. You know, uh, talk to me. I'll 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 hook you up with one of the families in the church who needs you. They need you. And um, and then for singles, kind of the same thing. You know, uh, don't just be with other singles. You know, adopt a family that has kids that you could be a part of. Um, one one 
woman in particular was won over. Uh, she didn't know what a real good marriage and a real good family looked like until the Makassadias came. And then as she watched them, um, she said, oh wow, as Christians, you can have fun. As Christians, um, you can live a life that's rich. And now to see her and her family, because God brought a godly man along, and to see how she has changed, it's just been remarkable. So singles, singles with kids, um, couples without kids. Uh, you know, you're Couples who want them. Yeah. You, you know, uh, for a long time, I would look around in church and, you know, because I, I don't have a mom in my life, um, even though she's still alive, I don't have a mom in my life. So for a long time, I would look around in the church and I would say, man, I wish I had a mother-daughter relationship like they do. Well, you know what God did? He brought me a whole lot of other people that I can love on. I'm the mom now. And that's why I'm called Mama Paula, even for people who are older than me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, God is so faithful. So instead of, again, like you were saying, instead of focusing on what I don't have, I can now focus on what God has given me, and I'm thrilled with my life. And, and we want to be sure that, that we're not misunderstood here. We're not um, demeaning grief. Oh, gosh. No. Um, we're, we're not suggesting that things should be really, really simple. Um, what we're saying is that, that that in these times when we feel the least like fighting, those are the times when we need to fight to get in the presence of the Lord. In His presence is fullness of joy. Yeah. Uh, we have a precious family in our church, Paula, as you know, who lost an eight-year-old early this year in a, in a, in a, a car accident. Yeah. Um, uh, they've had to deal with his birthdays, other things that we, we go through that he would normally have been there. Their first Thanksgiving. They just Their first Thanksgiving. Just had, yeah. now, now Christmas without him. Yeah. Uh, and these are really, really hard things. Yeah. But the way you deal with it is to get up every day, report for duty to Jesus, yeah. and let him replace your grief with I don't want to say happiness or with joy. It's not that simple. But but that's the way you learn that His grace is sufficient. It's just a resolve to persevere, to just keep moving forward. Don't sit and stay stuck. Um, I remember that first Christmas when your mom passed away. I mean, that was tough. She died, died on December 19th. And six days later, here we are having Christmas. And it was, she was like the one you know, and, and still have that place setting at the table and she's not there. That was hard. Yeah. That was hard, sad hard. Yeah. But we just had to keep going. Paul, let me deal with the question that just came into the studio from Anonymous. Okay. Uh, it said, if there are several houses involved in a marriage, is it the husband's responsibility to make sure wills are set in place for both the husband and wife? Um, let me let me answer that. Um, as a pastor, you cannot imagine the pain, the difficulty that I've had to help navigate people through when their spouses left them unprotected uh, in an unexpected death. So any marriage with any resources at all needs to be protected by will. So the answer is yes, it's a husband's responsibility because he is the leader of the house, but you're a partner uh, as a wife in that relationship as well. So here's what I would do. I would tell your husband if he doesn't make an appointment for, for, uh, with an attorney um, in the next week, you're going to do it and ask him what days are best for him to come. But, but, but to leave you with, without clear direction um, uh, especially if those houses are rented or, or uh, their income properties, or, or maybe you've got family members living in them. These issues need to be resolved, and it is the husband's responsibility. And, and to avoid it like it's not important or to pretend that we've got time, uh, it's just not. We, we just had another tragedy uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, um, a, a young woman was killed in a drunk driving accident. 
Um, you never know when the end is going to come. And the one thing that we don't want to do is leave our spouses, our wives, to fend for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, um, real estate uh, uh, especially, but, but, but all assets. Um, estate attorneys are expensive. Litigation is expensive. We just had somebody leave us a house, uh, the church, a house in the will, and their families all kind of got together and, and made sure that didn't happen. Um, these are things that need to be done uh, beforehand. So uh, you and your husband need to have one of those talks. Don't, don't do it in a combative manner, uh, but just, just let him know that, that I'm feeling really unprotected here. So what we need to do is go to an estate attorney um, and, and get this resolved once yeah. and for all. Yeah, that's First uh, Peter three seven, um, anonymous. It says, and I, you can read it yourself, but we can talk about it on the other side. It's First Peter three seven. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner, and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Great verse. Hey, we've got two or uh, thirty minutes left in the program. It's the date day edition. Thomas, I'll get to your question on the other side of the break as well. We will be back in two minutes. Welcome back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. We are back. Thanks for hanging in there with us. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. Uh, Paula, before you go on, I want to say one more thing to Anonymous who just uh, asked about the wills and the homes. Um, husbands and wives are co-owners of things. That means your rights are just as valuable and important as his rights. And so you have the right to insist that your interests and or his interests are protected in the event should one of you die. And obviously the older we get, the more important this is. Uh, I'll just take a, a, another two minutes of this, Paul, and share. We, um, we had a family in our church where, where the, the husband died soon, suddenly. Just uh, nobody expected it. He was getting ready for work, three quarters dressed, mm. and, and had a heart attack and just died instantly. Mm -hmm. And he had a business, and um, um, he wasn't the most organized guy, and he left things an absolute mess. And um, um, I resolved right then and there, sort of helping walk her through the the mess that was left and seeing the the the, the pressure it caused the stress the pain uh, i wasn't going to do that to you we we don't have anything that's really of value you you and i um but um um i went out and and got a life insurance policy uh, a bigger one um we, we wanted to be sure that you'd be taken care of. We don't want you have to deal with things. We have things in our bylaws that protect you. Mm -hmm. So the, the idea is that we, we want to treat our wives at least as well, if not better, when we die than we did when, they, when we were alive. Uh, and, and you know, men out there in this audience, we can't fix some things. Uh, and this is one of those things. When you're gone and your wife has a mess, um, it's 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 time to sit down and come clean. With here's our finances, here's here's um, our assets, here's our liabilities, and then uh, with an attorney establish an ironclad will to make sure. Uh, I can't imagine going and standing before Jesus, Paula, and uh, explaining why I would have left you in a mess. Mm. Good. I'm glad you can't. Well, it's mm. just really really important. Praise God. Really important. Uh, Paul, before you go back to what you're, let me read Thomas's uh, letter here from our email inbox. It's a Thursday question, he said. Uh, Hi, Pastor Ron and Mama Paula. Hi, baby. I hear you two talking about how women don't know their worth to God and the ways this manifests itself in their lives. 
I also know from listening to my wonderful pastor that it's mainly daddy's job to nurture that sense of worth in his little girl as she grows up. My question is, how do I go about doing this without creating a self-centered, self-absorbed, I'm all that in a bag of chips little monster? I know prayer is the first thing and the last thing, but I'm worried about the things that I fail to do more so than the mistakes I make. Thank you both for being um, the precious gift to my world. Um, Thomas, I'm going to let Paula deal with it first of all because she understands uh, more what, what young women need. But, but I'll, I'll only say this, that what we're teaching people is their worth. We're not giving them participation trophies. <laughs> we're, we're not treating them like winners when they lose. We're, we're teaching them what their worth is to God. Mm -hmm. And when they understand that uh, and they see the relative worth in this world, then what they're going to do is they're going to cling to Jesus because they know how valuable they are. Paula, mm -hmm. this is one of your hobby horses, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. deal with it. Uh, for any husband of children, period, the best thing you can do for a daughter or a son is love their mom. Mom has got to be number one. That sets the example for what your kids are watching. I'm thinking of a, actually Ellis right now. I'm thinking of Ellis. He is a great husband and a great father because those girls know he loves their mother. And so that's, that's how you teach your children that they're, they're loved is you set the example by loving their mom first and foremost. You should not be raising your voice at her. You should not be calling her names or anything because um, that's, what, that's what the kids are watching. Yeah, and, and never let your children hear you say anything bad about their mother. Ever. Oh, my goodness, no. Yeah, no. Um, your children should see you praying with your wife. I, I, I'm going to be, this is, this is just like one of those things uh, for husbands and wives. Your children need to see that you love Jesus and each other. That should never change. And when, when husbands and wives argue, when there's talk of separation and divorce, that ruins everything. And so how do you train your children or tell, teach them how much they're loved? I think that's it. Um, and then when they do wonderfully well, tell them. When they don't do wonderfully well, tell them and say, but let's pray and work on that. There should be no uh, demeaning. Um, how are they going to know their, their value if we tell them one time, oh, you're just perfect and you're beautiful, and then the next time, I can't believe you did that. You know, we know what we say. Um, don't compare them to other people. Um, just continue to show them Jesus. He did not, um, I mean, he created them, fashioned them, formed them in their mother's womb, and they are exactly who Jesus has created them to be. A boy is a boy, a girl is a girl, and there's no changing in that. You're a girl, God made you this way, let's work on um, enhancing those you know, attributes. I think emphasizing, Thomas, that, that, that we were all made in the image of God, male and female, were made in the image of God. Explain what that means. Uh, it doesn't mean we look like God, it doesn't mean that we're going to necessarily behave like God. But it means that we have choices to make every day. And, and you can illustrate the importance and the value of making choices every day. As Paula said, by treasuring your daughter's mother, um, um, there's no better way to teach than by example. Because if you're not setting the example, it doesn't matter how great your teaching is, uh, your kids will tune that out eventually. And so the one thing that you really want to do is, is, is treasure their mother, uh, let her know how valuable she is, uh, and then the two of you will set that example for your daughters. And of course, Thomas, I know because you've written in a lot uh, to the program, you're in Bible studies with your kids, their value is always going to be centered around their relationship with Jesus Christ. The world would say our value is in what we can do. 
the Bible teaches just the opposite. Our value is in who we are in Christ. And uh, our, our job as parents is to keep the focus. Um, Thomas, you may or may not know this, but, but I think the single um, most listened to series I've ever done, it's on our website for free. It's a parenting series. Gosh, it's been a lot of years ago now. But uh, it's still uh, unbelievable how many people are, are downloading that and listening to it. Uh, and making comments about it and asking questions about it uh, all these years later. Uh, and there's uh, at least one, maybe two of those uh, teachings that deal with, with these very issues. Um, let me close this by saying one other thing. Um, unless your child, male or female, unless your child is running across the street and about to get by a car, they should never hear you raise your voice at them. Not ever. That's childish, it's immature, um, and as Paula said, I think this is such great wisdom. She said, you can tell them how beautiful they are, you can build their value, but the moment you yell at them, um, all of that's undone. There's an enemy who's going to try to undo it. So, Thomas, thank you for the question. I appreciate it very, very much. Let's go to San Antonio now on line one. Enrique calling. Enrique, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ron. I'm Paula. Hi, Hi Enrique. Sweetie. Question: If we, if you have a child who's in uh, willful sin and they're over 18, is it unloving to let them go and not help them out with things like college and all that, or what would you do? Yeah, Enrique, it's the most loving thing you can do uh, to make them deal with God, and, and and sometimes the only way you can do that is consequences. It, it, it's The world has its background. You know, uh, Paul and I, we, we make reference to this in our Bible studies at times. Uh, we never heard the word mijo or mija till we got to San Antonio. We didn't come from a, a Hispanic neighborhood. And um, uh, over and over and over, I've seen adults supporting grown children in their sin and say, well, what else am I going to do? It's my mijo or it's my mija. And, and you know, where are they going to go? And I, I don't want to see them get hurt. Well, if you're enabling sin, Enrique, you are hurting them. So it's not unloving at all. Have a very frank uh, conversation with them. Uh, sit them down and say, uh, if you get any support from this family, if you're living under my roof, if you're eating my food, if you expect me to pay for college, if you expect me to pay for a cell phone, whatever it is, then here are the strings that are attached. And those are strings of love. Here are the strings that attach. If you're unwilling to do those things, then you are on your own. And uh, Enrique, we have seen um, dozens and dozens of kids go out on their own in rebellion, fall flat on their face, and as a result return to the Jesus that their mom and dad and their church preached to them over all those years. So it is the most loving thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. That's what the father had to do with the prodigal son. He wanted to do his own thing, and, and the father was so sad, but he let him go. And like Pastor Ron said, he, he finally came to his own mind or he came to his senses and he got up and returned home. But yeah, I, I tell my grandkids when they're here um, that I, I don't debate with kids, you know. I'm the law. <laughs> At my house, I'm the law. And then the other thing is I refuse to honor disobedience. God doesn't, doesn't honor our disobedience either. He lets the consequences come to bear. Does it help Enrique or do you have a follow-up? I, I do. <laughs> so okay. if I have a fellow Christian in this situation, is it my responsibility to speak up and tell them? Uh, you mean a fellow Christian in your, in your house? Not in the house, in another household that you see this, but is oh, it my okay. responsibility to speak up and say something? If, if you care for them at all, if you know them, yes. The answer is yes. Again, you can't make other people do the right thing. Uh, as a pastor, boy, uh, I, somebody asked me what, what's the biggest disappointment or the biggest failure or something that I did in radio. Mm -hmm. and, and the biggest disappointment is that people don't really listen. Uh, but, yeah, it's your responsibility as a brother in the Lord, somebody who they know loves them, to let them know that what they're doing with their child is, is going to end up destroying them 
and and then you you let him know. Look, I won't say anything again, but I'm going to be praying for you, and I'm going to be praying for your son or your daughter. Uh, but uh, yeah, as a Christian, we can't be quiet in situations like that. So yes, it is your responsibility. Okay, that's what I want to know. Love you both. Thanks. Okay. Love you, you too. Oh man, those are such sad and hard. Uh, things, you know, we had to tell our boys, hey, if you drink and drive, you're telling us you don't want to live here anymore. And they both did. And, you know, a lot of parents will say, hey, this is, I mean it this time. <laughs> I mean it this time. And they don't, they don't follow through. And so the kids, as they get older, they just, oh, they'll pay for it. Oh, they'll forgive me. Oh, they'll overlook it. You know, we got to get to that place where we're not because, you know, we're, we're raising kids who aren't going to be um, good citizens in this world, and it's our responsibility. Yeah, our yes has to be yes. And, uh, and Ricky, and for everybody else in the audience, we've got to decide, are we with Jesus or are we for our kids? And the way to be really and truly faithfully for our children is to be with Jesus. Yeah. That means we've got to take a stand. Uh, and in this culture, Paula, maybe it's um, uh, particularly germane to the Hispanic culture, uh, I, I tend to think it's probably just the way human nature is. We so don't want to see our kids suffer mm -hmm. that we, we prevent suffering, which only prolongs the suffering yeah. and makes it much, much worse. Yeah. The other thing that, um, that uh, I want to Enrique to know is that um, a real friendship has to mean enough to you to, to be worth losing it to tell them the truth in love. Mm -hmm. And we don't like to do that. This is my friend. I don't want to rock the boat. This is their business. It's not really any of my business. But remember earlier we talked about being others-centered. And um, if, if we're unwilling to risk the friendship to tell them something they need to hear, then we're not being a very good friend. We're not other-centered. That's very selfish. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and Ricky, I know you will do the right thing. Do it in love. Don't be surprised if your friendship is damaged or even lost. Uh, but that will be from their end, not yours. And you can continue praying for them. And God is really good at bringing people back together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When, when he gets the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Hard stuff, but necessary. I mean, and tell you the truth, I mean, later down the road, if, if something were to happen with that child because of the bad decision made, the blood won't be on your hand. You will warn them, and all we can do is, like, people coming to church. You can tell us all, but it's up to us to be hearers and doers, not just hearers. So, anyway. Okay, wait, before you go, 340-9585. We've still got some time for some phone calls and questions if you've got them. 340-9585. What I was getting ready to say in uh, uh, addition to Thomas's question about um, the value of his, for his daughter, I think after the parenting series, Pastor Ron, the message you did from A Song of Songs on the 5th of December is going to be right up there. Uh, after that one. That, I've, I've listened to that study, I think, probably four times now, where, you know, you started out saying, Jesus is smitten with me. <laughs> and I don't know if you were talking about he's smitten with you, but I took it as he's smitten with me. Well, I'm, Jesus has very good taste, so I'm sure he's smitten with you. Oh, yeah, but, but, for sure. But he's smitten with all of us, really. Yes, that's right. That's right. And... and um, Debbie Forthman and I were having an argument when I was teaching this past Monday because after I was finished teaching, uh, what I had said to the ladies is, tonight, let's do a, a, a Pastor Ron thing. Let's all go home and get alone with Jesus and ask him to um, show us, convince us how much he loves us. And, and Debbie, you know, after we're all done, she said, you know, when we pray, that's really one of the prayers he wants to answer. And then she went on to say that she was his favorite. <laughs> I was like, well, no, I, don't, I don't think so, Debbie. And, and basically, I can't outrun you, too. But I have four, four things at my house that say, Jesus loves you. But I'm his favorite, so <laughs> I win. But it was cute. But I think the song of songs that you did... Um, on the 5th of December uh, is going to be one of those 
yeah. other states. And you know, Thomas, that's a that's a great point, Paula. If if uh, Thomas, you'd you'd have your your daughter listen to that. There's nothing. Um, uh, it mentions uh, the physical relationship in marriage, but there's nothing um, uh, blatant about it. I mean, I certainly wasn't being gross or anything. Um, but the idea here, women um, really have a hard uh, path in this world. Um, you know, they're never smart enough or pretty enough or thin enough. They never quite measure up to the expectations of the men in their lives. And one of the, the tools that man uses to, to, to control women in this world is the manipulation that comes to criticism. And unfortunately, a lot of fathers fall into that trap as well. And um, um, our daughters need to go out into this world understanding that if they don't look like a magazine model uh, they're still beautiful to Jesus they still love him and and the 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 protagonist in this story the the Shulamite uh, she didn't think she was pretty uh, she wasn't uh, acceptable by the standards of beauty of the day and Solomon convinced her that she was the most beautiful girl on the face of the earth and and I've got to have you and um, um, that's one of the ways, uh, through the Word of God, that your daughter will learn um, that, that the standard of beauty is established by Jesus. You know, I, I did a Bible study many, many years ago. I was out walking on a Sunday morning, and I saw an old raggedy car. Now, I've got 21 years in the car business before I got saved. And I saw this old raggedy car. It was a Toyota Celica. I'll never forget it. It was parked near our house. It had a big for sale sign on it. And I looked at the thing, the sign said, for sale, $4,000. Now, I'm a, I'm a car guy. Yeah. And, and I, I got $4,000. Who are you kidding? No way. And it was a perfect introduction to that Sunday study mm -hmm. uh, because it was about how valuable we are to God, yeah. uh, just in our verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. And you need to convince your daughter, Thomas, that her value isn't established by a world. Her value is established by the buyer and Jesus redeemed her Jesus paid everything and if we'll understand that she'll understand her value uh, I got all huffy you know that car can't be worth 4000 if somebody comes along and pays 10000 for it mm -hmm. well so guess what it's suddenly worth $10,000 yeah. and, and your daughter's value and by the way your wife's value as well this is for not just for Thomas everybody in the mm -hmm. audience mm -hmm. your wife's value has been established by God he bought her yeah and your job is to enjoy her and make her feel valuable in the process. Let's go to San Antonio on line one. We've got Michelle calling. Michelle, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Okay, sorry for calling so late, but I just That's okay. got out of work. But I want to know what can we do about the declining chivalry among men in America? In the, oh. I'm coming across men who think it's okay to ask you, ask you for your phone number and then expect you to either pick them up or pay for dinner. Like, why would you ask someone out and you expect them to even pay for anything? And you're a man. I just don't understand this. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing with you, Michelle. Yeah. I'm yeah, not Michelle, laughing at you. I say, just say no, girl. That is not the one. Uh-uh. If he's going to treat you like that now, what kind of husband is that? You know, and when you have, when you have to go pick him up, Michelle, you're probably picking him up their mother's house when they still live with their mom. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no. There's nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing we can do, Michelle, except get him saved. That's all, because a, a man is not taught to be a man in this world anymore either, except through the Word of God. And, um, okay. you know, uh, I get so frustrated. I, I'll watch, me and Paul and I, we watch people. Where we go, we're looking for opportunities to share. And, and I'll see men and uh, a man and a woman on a date in a restaurant. Maybe it's breakfast or, or we'll see. And, and, and they're stuck in their phones and not talking to each other. That is so rude and so ungodly. It, that's the world we live in. But it doesn't have to be you, Michelle. You know, if some guy calls you and says, pick me up, say, uh, no, never mind. <laughs> Where's your car? Where's your car? This is a date. You're supposed to be courting me, wooing me. And so the way we can stop it is not to participate 
in it. Yeah, don't lower your standards because um, um, what the world thinks is different than, than, than what we know God's plan is. So, Michelle, I wish we could change the world. Revival. We need to pray for revival. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, that's all. Uh, you know, Michelle, and I'll tell you this. I've said it before in this radio program. I tell people all the time, single people, who want to be married or single people who want to be involved in relationships, godly ones, um, they need to look in church. That's not, that's not bad or unhealthy at all because church is a place you can actually watch them. I had this one uh, lady who was, who was really done badly by her husband and, and uh, the divorce has been final for a long time now. Um, and she's just kind of held her ground. She's not seen anybody, not interested. And I, I had to tell her, I said, be, you know, open your heart. What does God want? And she finally came to me, and this is just a couple of weeks ago, and she said, uh, there's a man who asked me out, and I think he's the real deal, Pastor Ron. She's been watching him as he talks to her. She's been watching him and being able to evaluate his walk with the Lord. And um, she's not going to get stung again. She got stung once. She's not going to get stung again because she's going to make better choices, more informed choices. And the only way you can do that is to be in a position, instead of out to dinner watching somebody and seeing them on their best behavior, um, Watch them when they don't think anybody's watching, mm -hmm. and That's and true. and see what their walk is really like. Yeah. And I promise you, Michelle, you're going to find a guy that loves Jesus and who will love you the way Jesus wants you to be loved. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate it very much. Paula, we're inside mm -hmm. one minute. Yeah, you know the Shulamite woman. Her brothers mistreated her and took advantage of her just because they could. You know, um, but at the end of that story, she says, "No, no, no. I am beautiful. I am a wall." You, nobody's going to mistreat me again. I'm married to the king. Michelle, you're married to the king. If you're a Christian, I'm upset. <laughs> <laughs> uh, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in today. You've been listening to the date day edition of the Words of Stand on for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630, The Word. We'll see you then. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.